feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call this college rule. Open wide for some soccer. The Springfield Continental Soccer Association is back, where we will determine who will be the greatest country in the world, Mexico or Portugal. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. We're the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris. This is Dom. Obviously, we're talking soccer today. Uh, real quick, please give our YouTube a subscribe, maybe a like, maybe a little comment. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Experience Podcast, and uh, please enjoy our other episodes. We desperately need your love and support. This honestly. is true. But this is a great podcast, and you're getting in on the ground floor. It's not one of those pyramid schemes. We're taking this to the top. It's a funnel. It's a funnel. <laughs> Oh, shit. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Today's episode is about Ronaldinho. Another one of those uh, sexy Brazilian McLovins, uh, who's a great soccer player. Uh, I was excited to research him. Uh, you want to start off here, Chris? Yeah, All man. Right. Let's get it. Born March uh, 21st, 1980 in uh, Porto Alegre uh, over there in Brazil. Yes, yes. Uh, grew up uh, pretty poor. And then... Uh, Early on, his brother became a professional soccer player. Yeah, which so. is pretty cool. Yeah, his brother, um, I believe, was with the uh, Gremio, Gremio mm-hmm. team or whatever. Yeah, and, uh, his brother Roberto. Roberto. Roberto Inho. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. They went from being kind of a lower middle class family, and then he ended up buying them uh what would be a really nice house in a really nice uh, neighborhood. And his dad at Ronaldinho at the age of eight, his dad actually drowned in the pool that they, uh, yeah, that they bought this house for him, um, which is just sad. And then, uh, yeah, we get, should have stayed poor. Yeah. You know, no pool, no death. Wouldn't have had that pool. Exactly. Damn water. It's like Adam West stabbing the ocean. (laughs) Day after all those people drowned. (laughs) Oh, oh, damn man. water. All right. But uh, much like his brother, he was a very good soccer player growing up and played the futsal um, that we I think we talked about in the uh, Zico episode. Yeah, yeah. So he grew up uh, and was praised for his skill like he is for the rest of his career. The futsal is the uh, – it's a smaller, harder ball, and it's uh, like a five-on-five five or a six-on-six. Six. And it's more concentrated on, like, ball control and, like, skill than necessarily, like uh, – formation tactics like a bigger game is so it's like an indoor kind of soccer game and uh, a lot of brazilians actually say that this is the reason why their ball control is so much better across the board than a lot of other countries what was it the robin williams like oh i'm scoring now i'm kicking the ball yes exactly <laughs> um i saw an interesting story at age 13 um playing on one of the teams he scored all 23 goals in a 23 to nothing win so he was and this was so let's get into his his real name is ronaldo yeah um, they changed it, and he has his technically Ronaldinho is his nickname because he was, I think, Inio means the little one or small one or or something like that. So it was yeah. Ronaldo the small one because he was always playing like two or three years above that. So like that 
instance Small where Small little Ronaldo. Yes, where <laughs> where he scored 23 goals, he did it at, against kids who are like 2 years older than him. They're like Just to put it in perspective as to how good. So like he was always in like these Brazilian youth squads. He was always like looked at as like, "Oh, this is going to be one of our huge stars." Yeah, and he's doing it without fur on his peaches. It's not like he's Eric Lindros where he's playing 2 years ahead because he's also bigger than the 2 years older kids. No, he's yeah. very tiny but very nimble. Yes. Yes. Um, but uh, makes the uh, 1997, the uh, under-17 uh, World Cup in uh, Egypt, uh, scores two. That's kind of his first international uh, kind of breakout uh, performance, right? I think he was the first player to actually go through all of the uh, the youth. So I, he played in, like, youth 17, 19, 23. A lot of the times they, they'll, like, skip those. And I think he played in every single one. He was the first Brazilian to ever do that. Take that, Pele. <laughs> yeah. So just uh, I'm just saying he, he was definitely sought after as, like, this next big star. And you're right. This is when everybody was just like, oh, he can play on this next level. Yeah. The little Ronaldo, um, his uh, coach on the Gremio youth team, um, said he was a cut above the rest. So that's some pretty uh, impressive uh, words. 1998-1999, uh, he, he had uh, 22 goals and 47 matches for them. Which is so this is where he really came into the Brazilian league where they let him kind of like become the player because he was 18. Yeah. He was going on 19. And, Hard 19. And he exploded on this Brazilian league. And I think one of the probably defining moments of his career was he was going up against uh, Dunga, who was the captain of the 94 World Cup team. And he ended up flicking the ball over his head. Oh, yeah. And people are saying, like, how could you do that to the captain? How could he do that to the to our, you know, national hero? And they were saying, like, because he was essentially the best defender at one time in uh, Brazil. And they were just like, oh, here's the passing of the torch. It was one of these situations where you're like, man, this kid is going to be everything. Amazing, because he had all the natural ability like in the world. And we'll get into kind of later in his career what happens. But this was a guy that just had everything you know, physically. And what they were saying was he would play the game with such joy and like shit like that, where maybe somebody wouldn't do like a flick over. Like he was just like, no, 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 we're here to have some fun. We're here to, you know, cause he, if you ever watch him play, he would play with this huge smile on his face no all the time. Stodgy old white people mm -hmm. going, you can't celebrate. <laughs> um, so this is the summer because he did so ridiculously well for, you know, this team in the Brazilian league that all of the European teams come in and they're like, oh, we need to sign this guy up. Yeah. So uh, Arsenal tries yep. to sign him. Um, they can't get him for a work permit, which is kind of common back then where it was harder to get uh, South Americans in for work permits. And then uh, a little foreshadowing, yes. uh, a Scottish team tries to uh, St. Oh, Mirren. Yeah. The St. Helens Mirrens. Yes, the St. <laughs> Helens Mirren. St. Mirren tries to actually get him just on a loan which yeah. is kind of common where a, a club will get them on a loan and then they can get them for a full work permit. And uh, there was a bit of a fake passport scandal where they oh, yeah. where they tried to essentially they were like, all right, show us your passport. And he gave him a fake one. So it was <laughs> it was kind of it a, said McLovin on it. <laughs> it was kind of a weird. They were like, it wasn't his name because he was going by this nickname. And there was all this shit that was like. And it's less regulated, if you will. It's like the fucking bench warmers where he hands him the thing written in crayon, I am yeah, 12. <laughs> exactly. Silencio mijo. 
This is you? <laughs> Carlos. Um, so with all of this kind of going on, we see kind of like a delayed transfer. And who ends up picking him up is uh, Paris Saint-Germain and PSG for about $5 million. Now, this is a debated uh, transfer because yeah. technically none of that money went to the club. And his club kind of turned on him at this point and said that it was his fault when technically this was like the Lionel Messi. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where normally South American clubs like they this is like a commodity that they, you know, produce these guys. And they're like, we need to get paid for this. And they kind of let his contracts kind of falter. And as a result, they kind of missed out on on money that they felt like they should have gotten. Well, yeah, these amazing players are what keep these South American teams afloat as mm -hmm. far as just like, hey, we'll be able to play the next five seasons because we developed this kid and here comes the money, you know? Well, it, it's, it is for some of these clubs, it is very a huge cash windfall that they, they, you know what I mean? Like they, and they felt like they missed out on this huge... Oh, for sure. Star, because everybody could see him being like this next star. Yeah, it's more or less like, send him to Europe, get that money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> get that cash money. So um, August 4th, uh, 2001, he plays in his first game um, for uh, P is it PSG. Yep. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So he uh, really starts uh, doing pretty well for them. Yeah. He, he starts off first half of the season. Uh, he's trying to get into the flow of the european game he struggles with a couple of injuries and then in the second half of the season oh man he turns it on he turns it on but people were saying like right away so even when he's killing it second half of the season right away there's problems in the locker room yeah mm -hmm. and this will be plague his entire career um the coach, uh, Luis Fernandez, came out and he was just like, he has too much love for the nightlife, the Parisian nightlife, which is what the Paris kind of like <laughs> bourgeois nightlife is or whatever. <laughs> yes. And he said he had too much love for that and he didn't care enough about soccer or, or like the training aspect. He loved the game soccer, but he loved also what came along with it. Is well, what I've been reading. I'll tell you what. There was a quote by him that he said. We're talking about practice. <laughs> we up here talking about practice. Um, and that's literally what his coach was talking about. He was just like, yeah, he shows up for game day, but he's not, you know, in our... He doesn't understand, like, the structural things that they were trying to do. Like, he was just all of a go-forward kind of player. Yeah, almost, not, almost like Derek Thomas, where it's like, doesn't really, you know necessarily care about practice or putting in the effort but then on game day you're just like oh my god yeah that's amazing yep i mean he's definitely not having or, or awesome orgies and uh doing lots of cocaine like mr uh uh what's his name maradona well Mar it's actually interesting because maradona was one of his idols growing up oh, which no. is super rare for a brazilian but to love a uh argentine yeah uh, player, but it was so much so that everybody thought Maradona was such a huge player. But it, they kind of mirror that. It wasn't obviously it wasn't cocaine. It was more of just like alcohol and club life or yeah, whatever you want to call it. Now till three a.m. Yes, you know? yes, very much that kind of stuff. And so going into the two thousand two World Cup, um, there's a bit of a PSG is kind of looking to offload him. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, uh, everybody always waits for post-World Cup because 
your stock could falter, but not that much. Yeah. If you have a bad World Cup, people will be like, well, look at his club success. This is kind of different. And it will only rise. Yeah, it doesn't hurt you to wait until afterwards. And especially because Brazil in 2002 is kind of loaded. <laughs> well, this is the thing that was so interesting was going into the World Cup, they weren't necessarily picked as one of the favorites or as like the top three favorites because they had a bad qualifying so okay. everyone was saying like this team looks great on paper but they're just not putting it together and they turn out to be one of the best top three uh world cups who, like trios we've ever seen in R ronaldo three r's yeah the three r's ronaldo rivaldo and the ronaldinho and technically it's two ronaldos and a rivaldo but... reading tv guide writing to tv guide renewing tv guide God. sorry <laughs> But this is where in South Korea and Japan that uh, Ronaldinho really puts a stamp onto the world. And everyone's just like, oh, shit. Like, in this trio of attacking, look at Ronaldo's hair from this. It's not Cristiano Ronaldo. No. It's a different Ronaldo. Um, one of the greatest hairstyles ever. We're going to do an episode just because of that hair. That and because he's probably the greatest out-and-out -out striker ever. Makes but. me so happy, Chris. <laughs> oh, my God. It's amazing. Um, in the group stage, he scores against China yeah. uh, just to start it off. But then in probably one of the most epic games in his career is the quarterfinals against England. Yeah. Where Michael Owen scores in the 23rd minute on a defensive mistake. He steals it and just runs it in. Brazil is kind of dominating possession in all of this. And Ronaldinho takes the, takes a, a, a bad, uh, a bad, uh, play by the English player in midfield and takes it all the way to the penalty box. It was incredible. Passes it to Rivaldo for the fucking... It is one of the best. I'm just saying, like, if you watch this and then... So they tie the game up. Um, 53rd minute, I believe. He gets a free kick. And if you watch this free kick... Oh, man, yeah. He just sees that the goalie's off the line. There's debate whether or not this is miskicked, and it's a cross that just goes long. Yeah. A lot of people think it's a shot. I think it's a shot because the goalie's off the line, and he just bends this ball oh, into the nuts. back of the net. I feel bad for the English goalkeeper, uh, David Seaman. Got a... <laughs> Because he is a world-class goalkeeper, and you can tell this just ball just caught him off guard. Yeah, he wasn't expecting it to do exactly what it did mid-flight. But, yeah, no, they end up winning uh, the game. They end up winning the game 2-1, yeah. beating England. But here's where the game – here's where it's very crazy is five minutes after this – I mean, he assists, and then he gets this goal. Five minutes after this, he gets a red card. Yeah, he's out for, I think, the semifinal game, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And here's where the – the detractors start to latch on oh, and they're no. like we had all this momentum we're going into the semifinals and he kind of takes it away from us he's not disciplined he hurts the team that type of that, nonsense yes but uh, they end up winning without him yes yeah. they end up winning without him because brazil's so damn deep and then <laughs> they end up going to the finals and beating germany two nothing Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of cements him as this because in these in these games he is if you watch these games he really is the link up between the midfield and the forwards in this in this trio where they're the other R's are up front <laughs> and he's kind of dropping back and going to the left and it, it's very interesting when you think look back at this team because everybody looks at this top three as like oh my god like 
we were so lucky to see these three play together. But when they were going into the World Cup, they were kind of looking at it like, is yeah. this going to work? Are they going to? So, yeah. Um, his stock rises. Well, obviously, he's 22 years old and he just won the World Cup. I mean, man. and it's interesting because PSG is selling him and kind of pointing at it like, yeah, look at that red card. Yeah. <laughs> he's not disciplined. This is why we're getting rid of him. And everybody else is like, did you see everything else? Yeah. Did you watch any of the World Cup outside of that one moment? <laughs> yep. So let's let's depart from uh, Ronaldinho's story and let's get into Barcelona. Yes. So Barcelona's in a huge downswing at this time. Uh-huh. Um, they have a new president coming in. That's right. Uh, Juan Laporta. Mm -hmm. And Laporta says he's going to bring in huge stars and go back to the style of play, the Johan Cruyff style of play that got, had, always keeps coming back. That had so much success. And Cruyff actually comes in as like a, a consultant. Consultant. Yeah. Um, so he's like, because he's not like a GM. He's like a, I would say you'd be like, if you're equating it to American, like assistant GM kind of in player yeah. development or whatever you want to call it. Or like executive vice president. Yes. One, one of those, those made up yes. corporate terms. It's just like, yeah, you could run the show and we're just going to give you a hefty payday. Uh, they bring Frank Reichard in mm -hmm. who was essentially a Dutch player to to bring in this style of play that they know that they want to play total football and the three players that they really wanted they beckham was leaving manchester united laporta said he was going to pick him up he ends up going to real madrid and uh thierry Henry, who ends up staying at arsenal uh -huh. but then the only huge player on the market now is ronaldinho <laughs> manchester united are looking to fill that beckham space yeah and Barcelona, who had last season, I think they were like in six. So they didn't have European football. They didn't have this stuff that attracts players. And he ends up going to Barcelona. Yep. Um, and a lot of people were debating this. So <laughs> they were saying because Manchester United was ran by Alex Ferguson at that time. Oh, Fergalicious. And it was such a tight ship that they were saying that he wouldn't be able to kind of go out and have like a nightlife. Oh, interesting. So there was question about that, whether he was going to Barcelona a la like Maradona. Yep. <laughs> and still kind of party, not like that, but party like kind of in the same vein. Fun European discotheque partying. Yes. <laughs> not Roman Bacchanal orgy partying. Um, he chooses Barcelona for $30 million. They They end up paying a little bit more, but a lot of people thought that Manchester United was the more established team at this time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would have been maybe a better uh, team move as far as winning, but uh, I don't know if that fit would have been good. Yeah, I don't. That's the thing is he kind of revitalizes Barcelona. So mm -hmm. we'll get into that. Um, his debut was actually kind of funny. He uh, was coming back from vacation and Barcelona was trying to get them to delay the game for the weekend. Oh, uh, Sevilla refused. They're like, no, we don't give a shit about him. So <laughs> Barcelona started the game at midnight or at like 12.05 oh, because man. they were forced to play on Wednesday. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty silly, but uh, he had a good start. And then kind of like in PSG, he kind of was getting used to the team and, and all of that. Um, Barcelona has a rough start their first season. Mm -hmm. They're in 12th, and then he comes back from injury and plays like the second or the last two-thirds of the season, uh, scores 15 goals, and uh, propels them to second. 
Yeah, which is pretty incredible. It's a nice little turnaround for them as far as their organization. Well, luckily for Laporta, who was pretty much saying this was like the revitalization, like you're not going to see us falter. They were pretty bad in the beginning of the season. And then everybody kind of – and you see this young – Barcelona squad starts to come together. So you have like Xavi and all of those players start to Spain World Cup guys. Yep. Start to emerge. Um, The game that everybody hangs their hat on is April 25th, 2004. Um, They end up beating Real Madrid at the Bernabeu, which is their Real Madrid stadium. So Barcelona's away, first time in seven years. And Xavi literally said this was the start of the Barcelona rise. That we all know, and I mean, that's amazing. This dynasty that was kind of built, and a lot of people felt like it had to do with the fun and freewheeling soccer that Ronaldinho brought to this team. That was really that's what like Laporta was saying was just like we really have changed our our culture here and we need to get it back to what it was. You need guys like that though, in your locker room. I mean, not necessarily the partying, but just somebody to keep everybody loose and everyone like keep the chemistry going Mm -hmm. with all sorts of different personalities. They could switch. That's the only thing with the partying, but you're right with the looseness, with the fun, with the, and there was a lot of young players coming up. So it was very, yeah, it was very good. Uh, 2004, 2005. Wow. Who was he good? And this was, something that you have to hang your hat on was we'll see his decline later but in these in his prime people say that this guy could play (laughs) he would go up against some of the best players ever not necessarily better than but like he he would be probably on the bench of like the you know the all-time best players in his prime that's the only thing so 2004 2005 uh he's world player of the year uh, they end up losing in the Champions League to Chelsea. Yeah, what's up? Yeah, I noticed that in, during up? the research. Um, but there was a time, and check out this goal. That's the other thing. He has yep. some amazing goals. Um, he says about this goal, he was just like, there was a moment where I felt like everybody got paused. Like somebody pressed the giant pause button. All the other players just stopped. <laughs> and I had three seconds to just figure out what I was going to do. And he just drips this ball and uh man like he he had so many goals and just like plays like that that you could go through and just be like god he was a highlight reel he was like that like one of those players almost like a vince carter you know when he was in his prime just like every night it'd be sports center top 10 or the spanish equivalent of that you know and did a lot like what vince carter did was revitalize or like create you know this kind of momentum that barcelona took you know Uh um just because he's in the Barcelona zeitgeist, I mean, May first, two thousand five, he gets he assists to Messi's first ever goal. I saw that. So I Pretty mean, that's amazing. just yeah, one of those things. Messi said he was one of the uh, big influences for him. You know, just to on that senior level to yeah. see him and and you know attacking from the left and being that player that was the star before you know Messi was oh yeah they're almost not necessarily passing of the torch but like wow this guy is really good I yes excited to play with him exactly yeah. yes um that summer uh Barcelona actually offer him a nine-year 85 million dollar contract which was fucking huge then oh yeah totally um he ends up turning it down which a lot of people thought was very weird um <laughs> It's hard to even know what his thought process was. He did a two-year extension. Yeah, I saw that part. That's kind of weird. Uh, it, it, 
it's hard to just know what he was thinking with that. I think he was already looking at the door for Barcelona. Oh. Like he was already kind of like, all oh, right. Even though 2005, 2006 oh, man. was probably his even better year. But people say from 2004 to 2006, he was without a doubt the best player in the world. Oh, totally. Yeah. And uh, winning uh, what in 2005, 2006, again, uh, FIFA World Player of the Year. Um, inaugural 2005 European Footballer of the Year, too. He won pretty much every individual yeah. award. Uh, the Bellon d'Or, which is like what everybody, it's like the French give out their best, but everybody kind of equates it to like that's like the player of the year. Mm -hmm. um, they end up going, and this was actually, I found this pretty interesting. Like I said, Maradona was his idol growing up. Oh, yeah. Uh, November 19th, yep. he ended up scoring twice against Real Madrid in a 3 nothing El Clasico win. Um, and he was actually applauded in the, by the Real Madrid fans. <laughs> the only other player ever, opposing player ever to be applauded was Maradona. That's, I know. That for was their cool. skill. That's the yeah. thing was they recognize it and they're just like, no, no, no. We get Grudgingly it. Grudgingly like, you son, you of, a son bitch. of a bitch. How dare you? Um, going on to be Champions League winner. First time in, I believe, 15 years. Yeah, 14, uh, beating, yeah. yeah, beating Arsenal in that one. And in that league, in that year, he had 26 goals. 17 of them were in La Liga. Oh, seven God. Champions League. So, And he had, this was what people kind of overlook was, he had comparable assist numbers to Samuel Eto, who was like their striker, mm -hmm. um, who had like 34 goals. So like he was so integral in every single part of their offense. That's what people were saying was just like, no, 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 he doesn't track back and play defense, but he's essentially our point guard. Yeah, he's the fire starter. Yep. <laughs> So you want to get into World Cup then? Oh, yeah. Because uh, this is an interesting one, 2006. So here, here we get into the 2006 World Cup where people say his career kind of shifts. Yeah, it does. Um, Brazil is looked at, you know, defending World Cup champions. You're thinking, man, Nike had that campaign, I remember, leading into it. Um, this was the German World Cup, actually. This was the German World Cup, and uh, Ronaldo still there. Rivaldo is gone. We have Kaká stepping in, yeah. who I'll talk about later. Um, I remember him from that, uh, uh, what was it, the match, uh, the AC Milan one, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah. AC Milan versus uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. That's right. Um, Adriano, so they have this, like, diamond in the front that they're kind of saying is going to work, but if you look at games in which Ronaldinho and Kaká play together, they almost don't really play they almost play in the same space yeah so they are going into this world cup as favorites mm -hmm. a lot of people are putting a lot of pressure pressure on ronaldinho to be like a leader which yeah. he's not no and there are just some guys in all sports who are like that you know great teammates very talented but they're not in the leadership category and they're, that's just not who they are exactly mentally. And I feel like the media was throwing this on him, and he just was not into it. And he ends up having a really bad World Cup. The The whole team really does yeah. have a bad World Cup. They were not on the same page. They weren't firing on any cylinders. Um, they get through the group stage, but you can kind of tell like they were just like all weird offense so like yep. it, if they were going up against not the best teams i think they scored 10 goals in the group stage but i remember the commentary being like wait till they come up against a team that can possess the ball they yeah. can't get the fucking ball back and that's what france did they ended up beating them one nothing in the quarters and it wasn't 
they I think Brazil got one shot on goal. Are you serious? Yes, that's like insane. They they literally locked them down, and that's what they were saying was just like, yeah, yeah, no, they're great when they have the ball. They're not getting the ball. Fast kicking, low scoring, and ties. <laughs> But yeah, they end up losing to France, so that pretty much dashes their hopes of repeating as champions. And the criticism falls heavily on Ronaldinho. Yeah. Um, You see the... They felt like he was not at at the level he should be. Yeah. Especially as a starting forward, but it it was a lot of uh, criticism on him, and a lot of people said that he really did not take this criticism well, especially in, from Brazilian fans. Exactly. He, it really affected his uh, mental state. Yeah, his mental state and just the narrative of his entire career internationally and uh, for Barcelona and the other teams that he plays for. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 2006, 2007, uh, 21 goals for um, uh, Barcelona. Well, I'll say this. Coming back from the... World Cup, he's still in perfect form. He's still killing it. This is probably one of his better years. But this is when we get Pep Guardiola coming in as coach. Mm-hmm. And Pep kind of had these statements where it was like his partying is getting out of control. Yeah. So it, it was almost like he, he is struggling with depression. And towards the second half of the season, it was just like kind of like, whoa, he's kind of... It was kind of the same thing with PSG where they were like... He's not focusing whatsoever on no on uh, soccer is secondary to him. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because he's very good. Yep. Um. Oh seven. Oh eight. He has a lot of uh, injuries, and he does not play a lot for Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Juan uh, Laporta came out and he said, <laughs> literally, he said he might need a new challenge. Yeah. Um. Uh-huh. It's just the truth of the matter where you can see with some of these guys, they were just like, he doesn't care about shit. Like, it was almost like he would get injured, and he's like, he doesn't even care to come back from his injury. Well, at least he's not smoking a cigarette on the sideline like Jay Cutler. <laughs> well, this is the what detractors say about Ronaldinho yeah. was he has all the skill in the world, but can't be bothered to be any tactical awareness or anything like that. He's not going to be your captain. No, never. He's going to be the best player on your team and on any team he plays for as far as skill-wise, but yeah, he's not going to take it that extra mile like a Steven Gerrard. Yes, no, exactly, because Gerrard is like a main staple in the middle. Like if you stop playing Genesis for karaoke, Ronaldinho will just sit there and pick a new song. He's not, yeah, he's not going to flip out. Yeah. Steven Gerrard is going to put you in a hospital. He, and he's going to get Sue Sue studioed. <laughs> so July 8th, uh, he actually turns down a really big money move to Manchester City, who had just been taken over by uh, the old uh, Saudi Arabian, maybe the, I forget exactly what it is, but the old Middle East state money. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. So they just come in and they're literally like, we have all the, like, I think they were offering to pay him. Um, something like 20% more than, like he was going to be oh, the highest pay, play player ever. Um, he goes to AC Milan for a ton of money, so it's not like it yeah. was like, you know. Um, at this time, AC Milan's, because uh, he's always worn number 10, yep. which is kind of like 
saying like, hey, he's the best player on the offense. He's uh-huh. the number 10. Um, is actually worn by Seydorf, so he w- goes and wears number 80, yep. which is a weird number in soccer. Just, just saying, I don't, don't think I've ever seen soccer numbers go that high. You, yeah, you just don't see that. He said it was because he was born in the 1980. Yeah. Everyone's just kind of like, okay. Go ahead. Yeah, whatever. Uh, not a great first season, but he no. was definitely trying to fit in with the Italian game. This is very common where, especially attacking-wise, but we see that he comes into a team, an AC Milan team, that has Kaka in the oh, middle. Oh, no. And that's what everyone was saying was just like they were, they were shifting him out to the left too much. He wasn't coming back and receiving. Like like the World Cup winning team, he was very much like the facilitator. Yeah. And with Kaka being the facilitator, he was almost kind of in lost space. Yeah. Um, so first season, he's not very good. There's talk about struggle with fitness. There's talk about partying too much in france still oh he's going t- from italy to france just to party hey man god that just sounds i want that life <laughs> sounds amazing uh carlo uh carlo angelotti actually said this about him um, which i i thought was pretty accurate um his physical condition has always been precocious his <laughs> talent has never been in question and see that's the thing is you can get by on natural talent for only so long because if you're not, you know, hitting the gym or keeping up with your body, it'll break down. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just... And partying and just everything. Yeah. All of it, yeah. Um, so we see him actually regain form mm-hmm. in 09-10 yep. um, with Pato, who's a Brazilian on the right. And this is actually really interesting because he's actually the assist leader um, this year for the Serie A. And a lot of people thought he was going to be in this 2010 Brazilian World Cup team. That's right. And yeah. a lot of people thought it was going to be Ronaldo, Ronaldo still up top, who was old, but was like this was like his last thing. Pato on the right and Ronaldinho on the left. And and end up being none of them even made the team. Which is crazy. Um, the coach of that team, which was Dunga, who got... <laughs> the guy that got schooled who by... Got the flip, who got flipped over. A lot of people... Like, this was not a true story, but they were saying, like, if he only didn't rainbow it over his uh, head. He would have been he on the team. Um, the truth was he was trying to move away from the classic um, Brazilian style and trying to get them to play in, like, a different style. Um, didn't really work I out. I was going to say, no, you don't mess with success, right, Chris? No. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if uh, Ronaldo should have been his starting striker, but... To leave out Pato and Ronaldinho in this one was kind of crazy. Yeah. Just, I mean, as far as not starters, but, you know. Well, they don't win, so, I mean, that says it all right. (laughs) Yep. So, uh, coming back, 2011, um, he teams up with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and they are actually, AC Milan is kicking ass at this time. Um, they don't want this is the last year of his contract and they don't want to lose him for free. Yeah. Um, so they ended up selling him in the winter, which was really weird. Um, but reports came out that he was just not focused and you could see his decline in play. Yeah. Um, that's, there's such a mental aspect to it. There's such a like readiness aspect to it if you think about it and that's what's so sad is because he was so awesome he was and what was kind of obvious in this later thing is he needs the team to kind of be structured around him and when he's not ready to be that number one guy 
the entire team kind of falters. So yeah. they end up selling him to a Brazilian team. And this is probably the biggest fall from grace that you'll see in a soccer. So like, oh he, yeah, he literally he went to from Flamingo, right? Yep, he yeah. goes to Flamingo. Um, he does okay there, but it's not. It, it's it's not the same player. No, not the same player at Barcelona. Not the same player. Two thousand nine, ten AC Milan. It's like you could almost see it as like. But you see, guys in all sports like that is like when that talent isn't there anymore it's like off a cliff it's off a cliff and it was so that's the only thing though was he was the best in the world and that's why i think it was so apparent was he was the best in the world to just literally like a middle of the run brazilian league player yeah um he ends up quitting flamingo because uh he says that they owed him back wages he ends up suing them Um, he goes to a Brazil, another Brazilian team. He goes to a Mexican team and plays a couple of years. But you can just see that he's not the player that he was. He ends up going to India and playing futsal. Did that. you see that? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. They were do, they were trying to get a professional futsal league going with like ex pros yeah. and, and like mainly South Americans because that's who like kind of play that shit. Um, it didn't really take off, but it was kind of a fun idea. Oh, totally. And then uh, he was <clears throat> during his time. Because this was when the money explosion happened. Yeah. He was one of the biggest earners. Like you said, Nike campaign. He was a huge in Nike. He had like Coca-Cola sponsorships. Um, when he was playing at Barcelona, he was one of the highest paid players ever. And that's when we get into... Because he retires about 2018 from yeah. ever playing again. And that's when we get into some of his troubles. Yeah. Let's go into that. Yeah, this man. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, July 19th... Um, when is it? 2019. Yeah, July 2019. Um, the Brazilian and Spanish authorities seize 57 of his properties. Which is crazy. Um, for back taxes. I believe he owed something like 9 million or whatever euros in taxes, and they knocked it down to like six. He went to the uh, Boris Becker school of paying taxes. <laughs> um, and we see in the report, they said that they found a bunch of Brazilian and Spanish um passports he's a a dual citizen he got a spanish uh citizenship i believe in 2012 or something like that he played for barcelona but he has a bunch of passports that are shouldn't be legal because he's stacking them on top of each other so some of them say ronaldo some of them say ronaldinho and this is in the report who do i want to be today he gets he gets fined like six million euros him and his brother actually Yeah, his brother's Um, brother's like his manager his brother's like his manager and his they end up not paying the fines so like literally they're just like yeah we're not paying that so their passports end up getting suspended because before this they're they're legal to travel and all that because they understand he's a huge star this is how they he makes his shit he just flat out does not pay any of his fines they suspend his passports he's going to paraguay to do some sort of sponsorship deal or something yeah, like it was that like for needy kids or yeah. something yeah um and the paraguay authorities stopped him and they were like this is a fake passport and he was just like oh okay i am 12 yes <laughs> like, well God. it was interesting because his manager his brother was trying to get him off of this charge and he came out and he said that he was illiterate 
Like, oh. he, he literally said he was just like, yeah, Ronaldinho doesn't know how to read. He didn't know that this was wrong. He was like Ooh. trying to take all of the blame. And some people coming out afterwards were just like, no, 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 he could read. But uh, he is kind of like a slow... I mean, do you know how fines work, Ronaldinho? <laughs> well, and he ends up going to a, a prison in Paraguay for a couple of months. He, like, he plays, plays soccer there. Plays like, futsal. Yard. Um, his team oh. wins, and they end up letting him out on a, and they find him like a quarter million euro. Oh, so he he man. he has a shit ton of legal problems um, right now, and they're all just kind of silly. If yeah. you know what I mean, like just they're like, not depressing or like sad. I mean, it's sad that he's in legal trouble, but it's not like you know he stabbed someone. Well, it's back taxes and fake passports. So, so like white people crimes. Yes. Like, <laughs> but for me, he'll always be remembered as the toothy grin who oh, yeah. was the best player from 2004 to 2006. I mean. The stuff he did in Barcelona and what people were saying was like, you like the Barcelona from 2010 to 2000 and whatever, 18. Ronaldinho was pretty much the guy who restarted that engine. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Tostau had a nice quote about him. He said, the dribbling skills of Rivolino, the vision of Gerson, the spirit and happiness of Garincha, and just like on and on of all these Brazilian great players, like of how he just embodied all of it with yep. that with his skill. So yeah, Ronaldinho. Yeah. Great player. 